Hello and welcome to the EVs and Beyond podcast. Thank you for joining us and thank you if you've already subscribed. Don't forget to go and click that little bell thing or whatever it is on the app you're using so that to, uh, you get reminders as soon as we put out a new podcast. You don't have to wait for us to send out an email to you. It really helps us get it out there. And also do share and rate it if you're on the iOS app uh, or Android. Now, our guest today has had a little bit of a varied career, but where he's landed at the moment is working on an app for charging. Richard Heaps is the founder of PowerTrip, a New Zealand-developed app that is aimed at helping, well, I guess you should probably summarize it in, in, a, in a word, Richard. What, do, what does PowerTrip aim to do? We are aiming to make EVs easier. At the moment, we've got a lot of early adopters using EVs, and our aim is to help everyone else come on board and join the team. So what does, that, what does that mean? What does it actually That's do? A good question. Uh, <laughs> at the moment, the app helps you figure out how you can get from A to B in your electric car. So if you're in Wellington going up to Auckland, it looks at as much data as we can get into the app and it says, all right, you need to go here, charge up to at least this much, go here, charge up to at least this much to get you to where you're going. Now, there's a few other things out there that, that do kind of theoretically help with that. You've got, you know, I think I think the Uber and, of course, uses PlugShare, and that has got a somewhat of a beta journey planner in it. There's Green Race, which I've used before. It's a little bit finicky. It's a little bit interesting. Again, it kind of feels a bit beta. What's different about PowerTrip to those services that, that are already there? Green Race isn't there anymore. That disappeared a couple of years ago when Google put their prices up for access to the That's map data. That's probably why it felt like it was a um, better. But you're right. There are a few others out there. <laughs> I think the main difference for PowerTrip is what's coming next and how we're trying to evolve it. Currently, though, each of the different route planners out there, like a better route planner, PowerTrip, PlugShare, there's one in the UK, ZapMap, they have a route planner as well. They all take very different approaches to how they calculate the routes. I mean, it's all physics. It's all based on the same universal principles, but the way we put it all together is quite different and the way we present it to the people using the app is different. My goal with PowerTrip is to make it as user-friendly as possible. And if you've been using the app for a while, you'll kind of see how that interface has developed from a very, very basic one, which used to say, all right, you're going from here to here. You'll need this much energy charge up seven times. And it would show you where the charging stations were to one that will actually show you now like on a bar chart how much energy you're going to use between each charging station and we've got a lot more stuff coming along down the line as well fantastic so do you want to go through step by step how it, it does work i mean say i'm sitting here at my desk in auckland i've got a 30 kilowatt leaf and i want to go to palmerston north what do i do so functionally in the app there are three ways that you can plan a trip there is a bar at the top of the app where you can type in your destination and so long as you've got location services enabled it will take your current location as the origin, your neck or the location you just put in as the destination, and it will use the car that you've got preset in the app to plan the trip. Um, it'll pop up with an itinerary. So it'll say from here with the starting charge that you've got, go to this charging station and then the next one. The second way is you can either add in a custom origin. So you might not want to go from where you are now. You might be planning a trip for tomorrow where you're going to be leaving from another place. So you would open up the trip planner and you'd put in your intended departure location, your intended arrival location, and any stops you wanted to make in between. And it will plan the trip that way. And the third one is we just added a charger radar feature, which takes your current location and it looks at all of the charging stations around you. And it calculates how much energy you need to get from where you are to all of those. And it replaces the little lightning icons on the pins with a number. And you can flick between looking at the number of kilowatt hours you need to get there, the 
battery percentage that you'll need in order to get there and just the kilometers that you need. Well, kilometers that you need, the kilometers between <laughs> you and that charging station. I'm pleased to see you've got like the ability to add add your intended stops in there because one of the things I've found frustrating dealing with planning routes before is if I'm driving from, say, I said here to Palmas North, I know I'm going to want lunch somewhere around, you know, Taupo or Turangi. But how you get the route planners to account for the fact that you do going to intend to stop somewhere for a while, you might as well align that with charging. You've kind of built that in as well. We have. That has been one of the biggest headaches this year. Um, and it all comes down to how you have to, like all of the math that goes into calculating an electric vehicle route. It's quite data intensive. And depending on who's using it, like the margin of error you can have in there can be quite small or it can be relatively large. Data itself, as far as the vehicle that you're working with, how does how does that work? I mean, obviously a Tesla Model 3 is going to be entirely different to a 24 kilowatt leaf when it comes to planning the route. How does that work? And I understand you've got some quite clever ways of pulling data from vehicles as well to assist with that. Yeah. So when it comes to calculating a route, there's a few different ways you can do it. You can either get data from the car, um, and this is the way a lot of the in-car route planners work, is they look at your current efficiency and then they just project that forward on the sort of dumb side. They look at your efficiency now and say, if you keep driving like this, then you'll run out of battery in this many kilometers. And that doesn't take the hills and stuff into account. What we do is we try to model the forces acting on the car. So everything that's external to the car. So wind resistance, drag, gravity. So when you're going up hills and you're coming down hills, we've got a regeneration part in the equation in there. There's also intersections and corners on the road. So um, if you're at an intersection, are you someone that likes to put your foot down and go for it? And when you're on a corner, like, do you like to accelerate around it or do you really like slow down and then accelerate out of it? So we try to model that. And as to your question about getting the data from the cars, currently in the app, you choose the car you've got. And I have done a whole bunch of research to figure out what the actual physics model for that car is. We did use the OBD to get data straight from the leaf, but then Nissan came out and said this might be affecting the brakes. Flip the Fleet came out with that as well. So we pulled it out straight away and we're working on putting it back in and trying to expand it as well. And uh, how are you finding that data's played out in the real world? I mean, talking about some of the stuff around driving style and so forth, that's, I guess, is a little bit theoretical. In your testing, how has it actually played out into real world results? Depending on the driver. So there are people out there who will get really great results and then they'll do one trip where it won't be as accurate as they'd like. And there was one person we had got in touch with me and said, she actually sent me a really useful spreadsheet with all of her recorded, like I left here with this much, I arrived with this much, and this is what Power Trip told me I would need. And that was great. And I could see on one of them that it was actually quite a bit lower. So we had a bit of a chat about that route. And she said, oh, we were stopping to take photos along the way. So that automatically reduces your speed. And there's lots of different things people do that kind of affect it that you don't think about. There's also things like the state of health of the battery. So if you don't know your state of health and when the app when you pick a year we try to guesstimate what your state of health is but if you don't know it and if you're about four percent out that means that all of the calculations are probably going to be around about four percent out and that's where like you said before the direct car connection will come in handy as well if you can actually get that data out of it and we're also working on a way to calibrate it just using your phone and your experiences as well so hopefully that means that like for people that don't know what an OBD is, don't want to have to deal with a Bluetooth connection to the car or are worried about leaving one of those things in the car, you'll be able to try and calibrate the entire thing just using like your experiences when you're driving. Here's an important request from a user. I mean, when are you going to include where the best pies and coffee near the charging stations are? If you're willing to work with us, <laughs> that will go in soon. 
Um, so in the new version of the app, you can actually add a point of interest or like one of your favorite places and it will appear on your map as a little heart. And then period periodically I go in and I just check through. And if you said, yes, I want to share this with the um, rest of the power trip community, I'll put that in the publicly available database as well on each charging station too. There's, we've got an API from here maps and an API from Smarto. So you can open up that and it will show you what's nearby as well. If you're an EV driver, you've probably come across ChargeNet during your EV journey. Over the past five years, they've focused efforts on building a fast charging network up and down the country. What you might not know is that ChargeNet also offers charging solutions for every type of business. ChargeNet provides a range of hardware, software, and support services to ensure that you can build and maintain your customized EV charging program. Their team of experts will connect you with the right solution for your business. Want to talk EV charging solutions? Get in touch with the team at ChargeNet. You guys obviously get to see some of the data, though I'm sure you're not tracking your users, but you probably get some to see some of the data coming out of it. Have you seen any particularly interesting or long trips that your users have used the app to do? I mean, has anyone done a trip from Auckland to Invercargill following the app? Or? Well, yes and no. So privacy is a really big thing at the moment in the app circles. And that's one thing. Particularly on Apple, isn't it? They've pretty much locked that down like a vault these days, haven't they? Yes, they have. So when you uh, install PowerTrip in Apple, it says, do you want to allow your location? Do you want to allow it once or never? And if you say once, which is what a lot of people I found have been doing, you can plan one trip and then it won't work anymore. Or if you say no, then it just won't work flat out because it's a location-based app and it needs to know where you are. But it's more like what you do with that data when you've got it. So like for a, a mapping company, for example, if you're tracking people when they're driving, that's data that insurance companies would be interested in. And I don't know, like other government organizations might be interested in it. And then what are they going to do with it? So what we do in PowerTrip is we don't actually assign that data to anyone. We don't track anyone in it. Yeah, the data from the trips, we sort of drop it into a big database. And then periodically I clean it out if there's nothing interesting in there like that we can draw statistics from but we don't give that out we don't sell it we don't share it and with the features that we're bringing into it we're working really hard to try and make sure that everyone's privacy is protected and we're not actually using anything that we don't need to provide value to the users but also that can be used for other purposes so from that nameless data <laughs> Auckland to Invercargill overnight I mean has anyone done anything weird right good yeah so I'd like to give a bit of a shout out to Richard Moylan because every time he plans a trip it seems to come up with some sort of bug that we end up fixing. So he's been amazing. His trips also tend to have like tens different stops in them and like waypoints. And like I said earlier, that's been a huge headache this year, trying to figure out how to calculate which stops you should start. Sorry, incorporate the stops that you want to make. There is also lovely young lady, Sophie. So she's got a Facebook page called Roadie with Evie. She's been active in the community recently. She's driving an ENV from Hamilton to Invercargill and back. And she's using the app. And I introduced her to it, and initially I thought she'd use it to plan each individual route, but she did the entire trip all in one go, complete with, I think, 30 different stops in it, and it worked. So, yeah, there are lots of different crazy things people are using the app for, and I have a little mini heart attack every time somebody <laughs> does something crazy, but I'm always real happy when it works out. The app itself, I mean, have you got an idea of how reliable it is? I mean, what are the chances of someone being left short from the app? So when you're planning a trip, it's automatically set to give you a 20% buffer at the bottom. You can adjust that down if you want. The flip side is that if you've said, I only want to charge up to 70% and I don't want to drop below 30%, there will be some trips that you can't make like within those parameters. 
when you get the app, it's automatically set for, I think, 95% maximum charge and 20% minimum charge. So when you're planning it, it'll always go, you'll arrive here with 20% or 21% or something like that. When I'm building the physics profiles as well, I'm always a little bit pessimistic. So the way I do it, because I've obviously not driven, I think we've got 140 different vehicles in the database. No, I haven't driven them all yet. Get my way around there eventually. But what I do is I compare the available statistics and like the EPA range and all of those things to the cars that I have driven and what I know and what their results are and what data I can find about things like their drag coefficients. And then I try to sort of figure everything out from the available data I have always erring on the side of caution. Do you think for some vehicles your math is better than the guessometer? Yes, for the ones that don't take any of this into account, yes. I don't have access to the internal workings of the car. So from the perspective of what's my current efficiency, the vehicle is always going to win out. But from a can I get from A to B, say Hamilton to Rotorua, which is one that I've fallen short on almost a couple of times, our app will be more effective than like a Nissan Leafs guessometer. My partner, Sarah, was in a Tesla Model 3 driving up to, like from Wellington up to New Plymouth a little while ago. And she said that our calculations worked out better than the Tesla one. I don't want to say that that is like, that that is the rule because I haven't done too much studies on how the Teslas work and how we can actually really make that more accurate. They've got an API that we're planning on using at some point, but at the moment, like the Tesla systems are pretty accurate and they update on the fly when you're driving, which is something that we don't yet do. Yeah, the, the guess meters are an interesting one because, I mean, they are generally based on your driving at the time rather than your future driving. So I know, and and, our, and close followers who look at our Facebook page will remember recently, I, I attempted to get from Napier to the hypercharger at Bombay and one one charge on a BMW, I, uh, sorry, Jaguar I-Pace. And I didn't quite make it, but the guessometer actually said that at the start I wouldn't make it, make it. But that's, of course, because I'd been blasting around between vineyards and, and the Hawks Bay beforehand, and I got closer than the guessometer actually predicted I would. So it's um, it's interesting that, uh, yeah, you've, it's hard living on a trip when perhaps you've spent all week buzzing around town sprinting up to lights when you're then going to go and cruise along at 80k an hour in traffic to Coromandel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, like That's another thing as well. When you're driving, there are loads of variables that can really affect it. You can get headwinds, you can get tailwinds, you can get rain, which puts water on the road, which increases the traction between the tire and the road. So increases the rolling resistance traction, not the like slipping. And then like temperature, like you were running the air conditioning. So that has a bit of an effect on the battery. Anyone in a Leaf knows that when you turn on the air conditioning, your range immediately drops by something like 10 or 20 kilometers. So there are lots of different things like that. In the case with the Tesla, I think our app was saying you need to stop in Wanganui on the way up. And the Tesla one initially said, oh, nah, you'll be fine. But that's probably based on the driving that they've done around town. And so when they actually got out on the highway, it's like, oh, okay, maybe you do need to stop at Wanganui. So said it adjusts along the way and it figures things out on the fly. What are the chances of your app making it onto Apple CarPlay or Android Auto? It's on the to-do list. There are other things I'm focusing on at the moment, but it's definitely, it will get there eventually. Now, none of this, of course, is free. How is this funded? I mean, what's the the model? I think there's quite a there's a bit of almost a bit of a reward system in place for users, isn't there? Yeah, there's a little bit of a, I suppose, long story behind that. We've got time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I start? So when we first made PowerTrip, it used Google's APIs, and that was awesome because you just connected to Google servers, you got the data you needed, you did all of the calculations on the phone. There was no need for any servers or anything like that. 
and we rolled it out. And then two months later, we found out that they were putting up their prices. So we had to pull it back, put in open street maps, because with the way most of the mapping companies do their pricing, it's designed to grow with your business. So as your business grows, so do your costs with all of the maps and everything, which for a free app is not ideal because your business is growing, but your revenue stays at zero. You're paying for someone else to do something. Exactly. So we switched to OpenStreetMaps. Um, we've put a lot of work into figuring out exactly how to use it for the calculations and how to make everything work as seamlessly as possible because Google just provides everything straight out of the box and it works perfectly. With OpenStreetMaps, you have to figure out quite a lot, especially for someone like us who had never actually used it before. So that meant we now have servers, we've got data running on them, all of that kind of stuff. So obviously needed to figure out a business plan. Charging people to use the app is kind of counter to the goals that I set for it. We want to help people get into EVs. We want to make it easy for them. And paying like $5 a month or per year or something is putting a barrier in front of it. It's also not a great business model when you have someone like Google Maps or Apple Maps just announced they're putting some degree of electric car route planning in there. And that comes automatically installed on the phone and it's free. So you need to provide people with a lot more value um, and also not charge them for it. So the current idea we're working with is working with car dealers because they're the ones that really need to offer a really good experience to the customers. Um, and also when you're selling electric vehicles, there's a lot more explaining. There's a lot more education involved in it as well. And and, and it's interesting when you say that. I mean, we were speaking with uh, Steve West on our last podcast and one of his comments was that it's those car dealers now that are essentially doing some of the heavy lifting at getting people into EVs that maybe the better NZ Trust and other groups were, were doing in the past. Yeah, exactly. And so from sort of like a startup perspective, what you want to do is you want to find the pain points and you want to try and solve the pain points in such a way that you're adding enough value that someone will pay you for that. And so at the moment, I think that's where the biggest pain points for us in New Zealand are. You've not only like... You've got all of this misinformation that's flying around. You've got people that come in with very different ideas and you need a way to sort of not tell them they're wrong, but because a lot of the time it's come from a, a place of love, like, oh, what about the batteries? Well, yes, but electric vehicle batteries are actually doing a really good job of making better quality batteries. And if you're worried, yeah, anyway. So we are providing them with sort of like a digital education service. We're providing them with sort of a modified version of the route planner that helps people really understand how far they can go, what the cost savings will be. And then in the app, you'll be able to add your favorite EV dealer. And when you're out and about on the roads and you're showing someone like your favorite, uh, you, the car that you're driving, and they're kind of curious about it, or if you're at one of these road shows, you'll be able to open up the app, send them a referral. It'll create a digital welcome pack, this information pack, and then it will... Like if the person uses it to get in touch with the dealer, we've got a reward point system around that. So a lot of car dealers at the moment offer things like referral bonuses to people, or free waffs and services and so on. Um, so we're just kind of formalizing that, helping them actually track it and stay on top of it. And the dealers pay you for that referral? Yes. So we're working with them to try and figure out what like, the actual value for them is. So it's not us going in going, right, you pay us this much for this. They're working with about a dozen of them at the moment to bring them on board as our sort of first EV dealer community. Yeah. And it's all kind of success based. So I've tried to link the business model of the app to the growth of the EV community and how much success we can have. So if people don't use it to grow the community, then I have to figure something else out. If you're an EV driver, you've probably come across ChargeNet during your EV journey. Over the past five years, they've focused efforts on building a fast charging network up and down the country. What you might not know is that ChargeNet also offers charging solutions for every type of business. 
ChargeNet provides a range of hardware, software, and support services to ensure that you can build and maintain your customized EV charging program. Their team of experts will connect you with the right solution for your business. Want to talk EV charging solutions? Get in touch with the team at ChargeNet. <laughs> and I guess it's an interesting thing with, with a lot of stuff we've seen around electric vehicles. Is it, is it still, you know, we're in that stage where it's still people are still working out how the industry will function, you know? I mean, there's still debate around how whether charging should be free or charged for and how charging should be paid for. And I guess the same goes for ancillary services and dealers working out how their funding models work over the years. It's, it's, it's a really interesting time for the business itself to sort itself out. I think from my perspective at the moment, from a sort of power trip business perspective, I'd prefer it if the charging wasn't free because with the referral rewards we've got, every 250 points that you earn through it, so we're calling them lightning points because it's fun and that's the speed that we need to move at to actually make change on climate change. Every 250 lightning points you earn will plant a tree through trees that count and it will be good for $25 of credit on ChargeNet's network. So if ChargeNet suddenly switched and said, actually, we're going to offer it all for free and make money somewhere else. Okay, I'm like, great. All right. We have to figure out somewhere else where everyone can spend their lightning points. Not sure Steve's <laughs> going to be doing that anytime soon. But <laughs> I have heard of networks overseas where they've put big TVs on the charging stations and you can kind of pay by watching the adverts as your charge, car charges up. It's an interesting way of doing stuff. I think I'd go rather find, rather find the pie and coffee. I know, it seems a little bit Black Mirror-ish, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, uh, of of ChargeNet, you guys have got a good relationship there. You've been working with them, I gather, on, on, on so forth. How much can you incorporate the data around charging into the app? I mean, it's one thing to say you're going to get to a, kilo, a charger and it's a 50 kilowatt charger and how long a battery is going to take to 50 kilowatt charger. But of course, cars are different or different models are different and different car, cars then by their age are different. I know you mentioned battery degradation was working in, but have you looked at integrating how a car actually behaves at a charger into your into your figures? Yes and no, I guess. So yes, I have sat down, tried to do the maths, figure it out. Um, I've had a few conversations about getting that data from ChargeNet as well. There's, when you're doing data sharing with a company, there's always like a few issues around what are you going to use it for? Where's it going to go? Who's going to own it? And you have to get all of the agreements signed up. But then also like, what is the value? What are you trying to do with it? And how do we sort of set up the systems for it? So there's all expenses around that. Kind of throwing out all of the things that I've learned as well while trying to set this up. So from the user perspective, yes, it would be great to have all of that in there, but we can kind of do all of that from just a calculations perspective or by getting like the internal resistance of the battery for example and calculating it out from that if you wanted to do it so like we're tracking data when you're charging up your car so that would involve tracking sessions everything that the ChargeNet app does is there much value in that for user through it like that's the kind of thing we're working through at the moment we're a route planning app and we're working with dealers to try and help them sell their cars through the community a bit better. I, I guess I guess I'm looking at the scenarios like if uh, I'm not sure if you watch much of the Tesla Beyond videos out of Norway. Yeah, a couple. I don't have that much time to watch <laughs> YouTube videos. <laughs> so so a lot of the if you watch the stuff where you do and you've probably done some road trips yourself, particularly once you get away from the Leafs where you kind of have to charge to full every time. Yeah. Often from on large distances, point A to point B, it's people are finding that, say for example, in a in the in the the Kia uh, Nero or the uh, or the Hyundai or the um, uh, some of the Audis and so forth, you're actually better off bouncing between like the 
the 20 and and 60 percent rather than going any further and charging more frequently than you are charging longer over a thing and it'd be interesting to see how that can be worked in the long run from charging data so that's kind of what the app does already it tries to optimize your trip so when you plan a trip you'll see it's not telling you to charge up to 80 percent it's saying you could charge up to 40 percent to then make it onto the next trip so it's giving you the minimum amount of charge we think you need in order to get there so when in a way it's already kind of taking that into account um there are other things that we do want to put in there so like with the leaf you can only do like at the peak of summer maybe two or three maybe four charging stops before you're at that high battery temperature before state. Before you toast. Yep. Yeah. And at the moment, like we'd need to figure out exactly which charging stop that is and at what point. And I think you mentioned earlier, like how accurate is it? So we could do it all based on what we know about a leaf and say, all right, at this point, you'll probably need to charge slower or your car might be getting a bit hot. Um, or we could do it, like you say, getting that data from the charging stations or from the car itself. These are all things I want to do. It's always like you're constrained by budget, by your networks and the people you know, and also by like what you can actually fit into a tiny little phone screen. You know, there's only so much space there. Um, so if you're charging up and it's showing you your speed, your all the stats from your car, um, what the current session cost is, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're blocking out the map. You're there's a lot you have to, to kind of juggle around. So what's next? I mean, what's the you're in New Zealand currently? Is the plan to go international, take over the world? I mean, the joy of apps, I guess, is that they're scalable internationally generally, but of course you are dealing with some detail issues around you know, charging networks and so forth. What is your hope? We've currently locked the app to New Zealand, but that's mostly because we've been figuring it out, building it up, and just kind of wanted to get it right before we rolled it out globally. There is data out there we can use to grow it globally as well. So yes, it is on the cards to do that. Yeah, I don't know. Like the moment, I'm just kind of focusing on New Zealand and getting it right before worrying about scaling too much. But yeah, how far from right are you? I mean, in software terms, are you you past a beta or are you? Is it kind of kind of all over the place a little? Bit? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. The version that's out there at the moment is past beta. We have another couple of versions in there in beta that we're currently testing different things on. And so we'll be releasing another one sort of at the start of December, which has the referrals in there. Yeah. So when you're like, if we're rolling it out globally, then um, the route plan is easy. It's just software. Well, easy touch wood. Actually, that's a plastic thing on top of it. Touch wood under this. <laughs> yeah. So you just need the data. You need to figure out if it's actually going to work. So like in different countries, you've got different driving speeds on different roads. Um, you've got different sort of terrain types. Yeah. And you just roll out the software. The actual business model of working with car dealers is a bit more difficult because in different countries, they've got very different like car sales structures um, across Europe. There's a lot more new cars sold. And then like across sort of Asia, there's a lot more secondhand ones. And then, you know, in the US, they've got very different laws around car dealerships and who can operate one and who can own one and what kind of cars they can sell. So that is a trickier hurdle to get over, which would probably try and do country by country. But then at the same time, like that's the model we've kind of want to do for New Zealand so that we can try and help grow the EV community. If it's going to, if we're going to help grow the EV communities in other countries, then we'd try and figure out what we could do to suit that country. It's not really a one size fits all model. Now, how did you end up putting together and, and, and running what I'm sure in the future is going to be a dominant global pl trip planning app? What's your history? I understand you've done a few different kind of jobs out there and now you're on this and, and you've got a bit of EV experience. You've had a leaf for a while. Yeah, so we've had a leaf, a 30 kilowatt hour, uh, 30 kilowatt hour leaf uh, for about 
two and a half, three years now. My, so you've had a lot of people on this podcast who are like, oh, I've been in the vehicle industry for decades and I know a lot about it. Um, I've been in the electricity industry most of my life, but I studied maths, physics and economics at Victoria University and then worked in the industry for a little while on databases and the complaints organization and then moved to Thailand and did kickboxing for a year and a half, um, living in the back of a gym and then moved to Sydney and worked in a bank. So a bit of a varied past. And when it come, came to the app, I've always kind of wanted to do like some sort of a green thing that's good for the planet, you know, leave it in a, in a better state. And at the moment, things are getting a little bit dicey. We're putting out a lot of CO2 and not doing too much to try and pull it back in. So yeah, when I first found out EVs were an up and coming thing and started looking into it, we went and bought one. And then when we drove it from Auckland to Wellington, that was our very first EV trip. I was using Google Maps, PlugShare, an Excel spreadsheet, and a green race at the time as well to try and figure out how much energy I needed to get from each charging station to the next one and then create an itinerary of all the ones we needed to stop at. And I accidentally got the elevation flipped between Hamilton and Otodo. So I thought it was downhill the whole way. It was actually uphill the whole way. And I left Hamilton with 70% on the battery going, yeah, we'll be fine. It's downhill the whole way. And I got halfway there past Cambridge and all the charging stations, realized what I had done. And Sarah was in the car and it was her first EV trip as well. So she was going, have we made a mistake with this car? What's going on? It's like, no, no, it's fine. The mistake is with me. It's a user error. Um, we just need to slow down. And we ended up rolling into Rotorua with about 4% left on the battery. But the trip back after that every, was... Every, everyone's done it. <laughs> yeah. My heart was hammering quite heavily <laughs> at that point. But the trip back after that was fine. And yeah, we both love the EV now that we understand it a little bit better. And since then, we've driven it from Wellington up to Paihia, back down to the 2,000-kilometer road trip. It cost us $121. If we need to go anywhere, we're just like, yeah, we'll take the car and we'll allow an extra hour or so for charging if it's the destination's particularly far away. Interesting. In New Zealand, we've got quite a, I'd argue, a plentiful supply of relatively, stress the relatively, affordable EVs you know, through the used car channel out of Japan. But we've also got this Kiwi mentality that you've got to have a car that can get you to the mountain on the weekend or can take you to Taupo whatever does does being smart and developing items like this kind of help make those cars more viable for the typical new zealand user i mean on the face of it someone might look at a 30 kilowatt leaf and go well, i can't really get very far in that but your app using your app cleverly would somewhat argue that that's just not the case uh when we first rolled out the app i actually found that people were using it to try and figure out which ev they should buy so they were planning trips in it and then they were saying all right well, maybe i shouldn't go for an 2011 leaf i might go for a 2014 or a 2015 and we've kind of taken that a little bit with what we're providing with the car dealers now so it will you can put in your trips you say how often you do it and it will try and crunch that data to figure out which ev you should be looking at getting based on the trips that you're doing so it uses the terrain the speeds all that kind of stuff to go all right this is probably the best one for you there are other factors when you choose an ev you know we're we're in an age where we're very lucky to have a lot of choice so if I'm going, say, up the mountain, um, I can choose to take a truck or a van or small petrol efficient car, like whatever I want. And so you've got the option to be picky. I've talked to a few people who say, oh, actually, I wouldn't get an EV because I've got a very big kayak that I need to tow up to Castle Point in order to go to my holiday home up there. Or I've got very big dogs and I need extra space in the boot. Or I need a truck because I have to carry all of this stuff around. But I mean, before four-door cab utes were a thing, we used to have trailers. So we used to figure out how we could do it. 
But now that you've got all of these pain points solved with all these different cars, like it's harder to make that switch to an electric vehicle. And that's where you need to kind of emphasize the fuel savings, the costs, the emission savings while we're waiting for these extras and all of these extra options to come through in the EV market. Excellent. So what's the best way, I mean, A, for people to find the app? And and secondly, if dealers want to get in touch with you and get involved with the the referral program, how should they be be finding you as well? Best way to find the app is just to go to powertrip.earth. There are two, there's a, a link to the um, Apple store and a link to the Google Play store. So you just click on that and it takes you straight through the listing. If dealers want to work with us, just send me an email. It's richard at powertrip.earth. Yeah, just reach out and get in touch. I'm also currently driving up and down the country talking to all of the EV dealers I can find that have got um, EVs on their yard. So I will probably be dropping by at some point soon. <laughs> and you imagine you'll be wanting to plug in while you're waiting there as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, at the moment, um, Hayden from GVI has loaned me one of the new Go Charge scooters. Um, so I'm zipping around Auckland on that. So yeah, if you've got a three pin plug somewhere, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Look, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Richard. Uh, it's uh, it's great to see such a, a cool New Zealand led project coming together. And and I really do hope that it, uh, it goes worldwide one day because we all need software like this to make things easy. And I think maybe in my next road trip video, we might base it on on your software and uh, put it to the test and see how uh, how well it does. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Excellent. Thanks Save so much. Sweaty palms. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Thanks so much. Don't forget to, uh, as I said at the start, subscribe and share this podcast. It helps us out immensely. Don't forget to check out the EVs and Beyond magazine at evsandbeyond.co.nz. And there will be a story tied into this interview in our next issue, which would be the December one. So uh, don't forget to catch that. Thanks so much. Thanks again for listening to the EVs and Beyond podcast. Do not forget to throw us a five-star rating and share the podcast. It really helps us out. We'll catch you again in two weeks' time. Mm-hmm.